Hey guys, you're listening to another podcast on the Cloud Evangelist podcast channel. My name is Richard Morrell. I'm the Cloud Evangelist here over at Red Hat in Europe. Now, upstream for RHEL is, of course, the Fedora Linux project. A huge amount of the cloud goodness that we take for granted in Red Hat Enterprise Linux, a lot of the SE Linux stuff, a lot of the libvirt technology, and, of course, a lot of the OpenStack binaries that have made their way into now RDO and also the Red Hat uh, OpenStack-supported project and supported offering come from Fedora. The Fedora project is led currently by Robin Bergeron, and Robin and I took time together to catch up when we were both in Amsterdam recently. So this is going to be part one of a two-part podcast talking about Fedora, talking about where Fedora is going, because Fedora 20 is right around the corner. We're going to be remembering Seth. We're going to be talking about what's coming up next for the Fedora project as a whole and also understanding really what technologies and what passion go into an open source project and how you can partake and how you potentially can have a career at Red Hat. So as I said, this is part one of a two-part special podcast, bringing you part two later on in the week. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the show. Recording another podcast today, uh, we're at the CloudStack Collaboration Conference in Amsterdam in Holland, uh, a very well-attended event. I would say probably about 30-40% DevOps, the rest suit-wearing vendors, wouldn't you agree? Um, I'd say that's about accurate. Okay. Now, I'm joined opposite by Robin Bergeron from the Fedora Project, from Red Hat. There were two or three of us here. Niels DeVos was here doing some cluster stuff as part of the hackathon, myself and you. And I wouldn't say we're in enemy territory, because there's no such thing as enemy in the community, is there? But we're in shores unknown. I'd say that's about correct. I mean, when you come to something like this, there's the uh, portion of attendees who go, ah, community folks, welcome. We are community too. And then there are the portion of folks who go, what are you doing here? I've been wearing a Red Hat shirt all week. Does Daddy Shadow Man know you're here? They do now, because I've been podcasting. Yes, and everybody's been very welcoming. They have... They have. I haven't noticed anyone wipe their hands after shaking mine, so always a good sign. Robin, Fedora 20 is coming up. It, you know, we talk about this six-month cycle for Fedora, but how can you stick to a six-month cycle You know, with everything that's pushed on you in the community? It's impossible. Um, I think the big key to that is being very upfront about it. It's simply a matter of knowing exactly, you know, this is how much time I have, and this is you know, sort of the schedule that I have to live by. And, you know, if you're upfront about that, then that gives people an opportunity to do what, what needs to be done within a certain time period to scope out the work that they need to do uh, versus being on a, you know, when all the features are done, which could be in a week or a year, uh, that tends to be, especially in a community where, you know, you have lots of people who have lives outside of the community. They don't yep. all work for Red Hat. We have people who do things, you know, from a variety of company, you know, in their spare time, whatever mm-hmm. it is. And people have lives. And they're so hugely valued as well. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and, and you couldn't get a distro out the door without them. No, no. I mean, the, the amount of work that, that people in the community do to make things happen is, without them, we would never get anything out the door. Mm-hmm. I know from personal experience just how hard you guys work. Um, we talk about Fedora being the upstream of RHEL, and it's entirely true. If you think about how many packages you have to maintain as part of Fedora, it's an awesome job. Yep, and it's not they're, they're not living individually. I mean, there's so many dependencies between so many different things that it, it definitely has to be a, a well-coordinated uh, event to pull anything off and lots of communication and, and really, you know, expecting people to 
be aware of what's going on and we've been able to do that now for well t just about 20 releases here we're mm -hmm. getting very close um, I think is a testament not only to you know the dedication of the people in the community but just how well open source actually works we sat down in Belgium in February and we talked about how cloud had been pervasive in the last two or three releases how you've been at the initial OpenStack meetings and how the uh, do you remember the OpenStack release uh, the OpenStack test days that were part of the Fedora community about Absolutely. 18 months ago and that's that's been quite a funky claim to fame in the respect that if we hadn't tried it in Fedora it wouldn't have made it into RHCI and RHCI and all these cool projects that we have now as part of Red Hat yeah especially since um you know, so much that, that we do in Fedora eventually, you know, makes its way into the next version of RHEL. Um, I think most people know that the uh, beta release of RHEL is, uh, RHEL 7 is right around the corner. Yeah. And, you know, their work that they do, you know, in Fedora before any major release of RHEL uh, really helps them to be able to get things right out the door when, when RHEL comes out. You know, it'll be very easy, easy for them to uh, put it together and, and make sure that it works with RHEL 7. As we move into Fedora 20, are there any changes in how Fedora itself is operating as a, as a business unit or as a project? Uh, well, I'd definitely say as a project since we don't, we're not a, a revenue-bearing uh, entity. Um, yeah, so there's actually a couple things. Uh, some of the stuff that, that we've always done is, is basically, you know, we've, we've had one major, you know, release piece, right? We, we have Fedora and it is the thing that you can install on your, your laptop or your desktop. Uh, it is the thing that you can install and use as a server. It is the thing that you can, you know, we've had separate cloud images for a while, but it, it is something that you can use in the cloud. But um, there's lots of, of little pieces down in the lower layers of the operating systems, which really make uh, what we produce, you know, sometimes more suited to, to one uh, installation place or installation type than another. So, um, you know, 20 releases. We, we just had our, our 10 year anniversary of, you know, when we, we came into the world, I guess. Mm -hmm. And we've really started to realize that, you know, maybe we need to be doing something that, that is more tailored to each of these environments. Because we have people who, you know, there are people out there who run Fedora in production environments for, for servers and clouds. We have people who use Fedora on their, their laptops and desktops for, you know, their day to day everything that they do, you know, including myself, including, you know, lots of people who, you know, do things that are, are not, you know, they're, they're not working on or with computers for a living, you know, people who do graphic design, stuff like that. They all use Fedora. Mm -hmm. And um, it, it struck us that, you know, if we could maybe break up Fedora into three separate pieces that are a little bit more tailored for each of these individual environments, um, that perhaps we could expand our audiences in, in each of those areas. Um, more effectively, so this so is this is over and above spins. Yes, yeah, so we've had spins for some time, and those are basically tailored versions of Fedora. And we have spins that are desktop related. So you know, instead of GNOME three, you might have a KDE spin, or XDE or whatever. Yeah. Exactly, and then we've also had uh, spins that are more specialized for uh, specific use cases. So we've we've got a security spin. Uh, for people who are interested in doing security work, we have an electronic lab spin for people who, you know, want to sketch out boards and such for, you know, electronic design. We've had a uh, design suite for people who do graphics work, uh, musician suite, et cetera. Um, so that's been a, a key thing that we've always had in Fedora, or not always, but, you know, for, for a really lo as long as I can remember, as long as I've been around. Um, and that's always been really driven by community folks, right? These are people who are basically like, 
you know, Fedora does allow you to basically scratch your own niche, but this is the, I'm going to actually produce something within the Fedora community that has the Fedora label on it, uh, and we're going to produce it as part of Fedora. And at, at the same quality levels. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so this is a little bit different. I mean, this is basically instead of having one main Fedora and then spins, this is really more like three major Fedora products, and then we will still uh, presumably continue to have spins. So what's the Holy Trinity? Yeah, it's something like that. The, what is it? The magic trifecta. Um, we're going to have the workstation, we will have the server, and then we will have a, a cloud. Uh, it remains to be seen if that's going to be an image or a series of images, but, but basically a, a very bare bones, you know, minimal type looking product that is very suitable for cloud. And at some point, can we have the Chromebook image, please? Yes. Because I'm terrified. I bought a Chromebook the other day just to play around with it, and the only thing that's missing on it is the fact that I've got Fedora on there. Just feels like I'm, I don't know, having an affair. <laughs> um, some of the there's actually a, a, a wiki page about how to yeah, get Fedora I, I, on your I, Chromebook. I, I read it. I just yeah. sort of the color drained down of my face and thought oh, I could break this. Yeah. Well, you know, Chromebooks are cheap at least, right? I bought two just in case I break down. They're fun on their own, though. We have one. It's it's a great. Uh, it's something we can leave on the patio and not freak out if it rains. Yeah, but the fact that you have to then go and buy a printer to print because it doesn't support jet direct and all that. It's like we invented this wheel ten years ago. It's just making it painful for me to go and spend money. Okay, getting you away print? from. Uh, you yeah. print? What's this printing business? I don't even know. I have four four network printers on my in my house. And what do you print? Everything. I don't trust PDFs. Well, you have children. Printers are basically little devices for your children to use, I think. That's what, what we've discovered. No, but the printers are great because they're great for, for printing coloring pictures. Oh, yes. <laughs> if, you're is, if, you're too if you're too tight to go and buy coloring pads, then it's great to be able to do this stuff for children. See, there you go, tight-fisted. So we've got the three new dimensions, the three flavors of Fedora. Is that then going to mean that you're going to have a change in how you manage Fedora? Because that's going to put new pressures on the whole release cycle as well, isn't it? Um, possibly. So, I mean, really, we're at the the onset of, you know, basically just the planning of this. Folk, we have three different working groups, and all of them are going through and making, uh, as you would at a traditional, you know, proprietary company, going through and making, you know, product requirements documents, right? So, everybody's really diving in and trying to understand, you know, the use cases and the personas of uh, how are these things really needing to be used, and what are the uh, attributes or you know features that we can put into each one of these three separate products um, that you know makes it attractive to these people. What are, what do people really need in these to m to make this an effective platform for them? Um, this is the part you can cut out, right? No, I, 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 th I, I, I think I think it's like sausages. I keep saying this in podcasts that nobody really likes to know what goes in the sausage, but we all like eating them. It's the same with a fedora. ISO image, you know, no one really wants to know all the pain and the hassle of having to try and work with any number of desktop environment people or any, you know, ha having to work upstream a libvert or whatever you have. I mean, it, it's difficult and it must be incredibly hard for you to draw a line in the sand and say, that's the day that we stop any commits and we just polish it. Yeah. Well, I mean, that, that again, that goes back to the, you know, just setting expectations for folks, right? Yeah. If, if we don't have that line in the sand, that, that sand is going to be a slippery downhill mess so uh, and, and once and once that date is enshrined in history what are the sort of things that can throw you is it like ssh updates or major security issues or, or they just just become post post release errata 
Um, so I guess there's a couple things that that you know are still sort of outstanding slash. I'm not asking about this genetic. I'm not asking about this inst- this this latest twenty release. I'm saying just the things that'll catch you because it happens. It does happen. Yeah. Um. You know things like. Uh, unforeseen last minute, like, oh gosh, this would be so amazing and huge and would solve, you know, 10,000 problems, but, but, but gosh, we're going to have to do a, look a at all the dependency rebuild. checking errors. Yeah, yeah, yeah things yeah. like that just, you know, sometimes you have to, you know, make a balanced decision. And, and that's really what the community is there for. I mean, thank God it's not on, all on my head to, but you th- know, there is no make way a one last decision. But there is no way one decision. company could do it. We couldn't do it as Red Hat. Oh, no, absolutely we, not. We, we haven't got the resources, because if you think of a 5,500-man organization, probably out of that 5,500-man organization, there's probably 1,000 of us who are technical. The rest is sales and marketing and the absolutely. bunch that makes up an important part of the company. But we are so busy, stretched over multiple business units, middleware, storage, rail, et cetera, et cetera. We just can't go out there and do it. You have to have the community behind you to do it. Well, yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, the other thing is, is really, uh, I think there's a, a bit of, you know, when you when it's a, a company that's that's doing something, you tend to almost be myopic sometimes. Like, you know, this is what we're doing and this is what our goal is. And, yeah. you know, we're a bunch of developers making something. And, you know, really without the people in the community who use this stuff day to day. I mean, sure. we have tons of people in Fedora who, if you look back at the 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 folks who, what is the thing that we have every year at Red Hat Summit where we, we give people Falcon. awards? Oh, the chairman awards. Yeah, uh, no, not the chairman's awards. Which uh, ones? That we give to uh, sometimes their customers. Their uh, oh, the part, yeah, the innovation awards. No, not the innovation awards. I have uh, no idea what you're talking the, about. Um, oh, I'm sorry. It's Don't worry. The RHCE of the year, I believe. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah and yeah, if yeah. you look back at the history of that, um, there's a good number of those folks every year who are people who are in the Fedora community, and a number of the folks who have actually you know won that have been Fedora community members, mm-hmm. and so you'll find a lot of time in Fedora that, that these are the people who do really get and understand, you know, to the core, the relationship between Fedora and RHEL. These are the folks that, that use Fedora and they're absolutely prepared when the next major release of RHEL comes out as far as knowing and uh, understanding what are the, the different changes that are going to be, you know, in the next version of RHEL. And these are also the people who, who keep us sane and honest sometimes, right? But, but that, there's a, there's, there's a, there is another way of spinning this as well, okay? You think of how many people at Red Hat came from the Fedora community as well who now have full-time jobs. Oh, absolutely, jobs yes. We keep hiring them and hiring them and hiring them. It's, so, it's so if, insane if you're, and beautiful. If, you, if you're trapped in a dead-end IT job but you're passionate about Fedora, there's always the opportunity to, you know, show a clean pair of heels and potentially start a career at Red Hat as well. Yes, uh, Adam Miller right now is one of my, my favorite examples of this. He was the guy who had the Fedora, or the, the Red Hat Daddy Shadow Man tattoo before he worked at Red Hat because he That's loved dedication, isn't and it? he worked in the Fedora community before he even started. But I mean, I brought Pete Robinson in and Pete yep. Robinson's been involved with One That Took a Child and Fedora and the whole arm bit for mm-hmm. forever, forever. Forever and ever and ever. And, you know, now he's part of the furniture Absolutely. as well as still getting involved with Flock and FUDCON and all the other cool stuff in the community. Yeah, but I mean, the interesting thing is, is you know, despite Peter being a, a Red Hat employee, mm-hmm. you know, his job is not at all related to, no, not to, at all. to making the sausage. No. And not only that, but his day job does include basically being out there and installing products. And oh, the dude and has a 16-hour day. He, he works during the day, and then in the evening, he's on the mating list till 1 o'clock in the yes, morning. Yes, I'm, I'm not actually sure when he sleeps, and I'm pretty I'm sure, sure he may have secret clones living in his house. It's a very effective form of contraception, apparently. Aw. <laughs> I know. But uh, I feel his pain. He, um, 
you know, he's a, he's a great example of people who are out there using this technology day to day who come into the Fedora community and can be that balance between lots of developers who um, are often right in what they're doing, but maybe don't always have the hands-on, you know, I've been a sysadmin uh, perspective to really understand how, you know, something like, you know, a, a change might affect their day-to-day -day ability to do work. But Fedora is also still really important for the food stream, the evolutionary food stream from companies who want to migrate to a supported rail environment. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, you know, just getting the, between getting the preview or if you are a company who, who wants to affect the future of RHEL, you know, be able to influence it and, you know, make sure that it's coming right out, you know, that the sausage is being made in a, so in get a way involved, that... Get involved with the Fedora community. Do you know what? I hadn't spun that angle completely. I, I, I hadn't gone down that route. But you're right. If you want to get involved with shaping what you require from RHEL in the future, maybe RHEL doesn't fit what you want now or it doesn't work with a specific API or library or a partner you're working with get involved with fedora maybe that will make it up into the upstream and yeah. the maintainer yeah i mean and that and that's the story of of open source anywhere I mean, yeah it's, sure. it's the same reason that folks get involved in OpenStack. or here we see lots of the uh uh here at the cloudstack collaboration conference there are tons of uh service providers of sorts who have basically gotten involved in in cloudstack the same way people have gotten involved in OpenStack because you know, they have customers, they have deployments, and they, you know, want to either make sure that the enhancements that they want to see happening are going in, and they also, at the same time, want to make sure that they're not going down a path that is unexpected or detrimental. Your partner, Steve, he's a Fedora widow, isn't he? I, yeah, maybe. Um, I, I don't know about widow. Uh, he is a little annoyed at the state of our dining room and that it, it occasionally <laughs> resembles a a fedora shipping shop and wonders when i've been banished to the loft yeah there like there are boxes yeah boxes of things and old cds my wife despairs absolutely despairs and she's like how many fedora stickers do you actually need on things i'm sure i'm going to end up with one on the toilet seat eventually just because it's the only place in the house there isn't one yeah my kids have uh, fedora stickers on everything actually i don't even know that i can say that they have fedora stickers on some things but we've actually sure. had a couple of uh We've made community sticker sheets that have uh, pictures of Tux and, and, you know, a couple other different icons on them. And they, they've stolen our my Beefy Miracle stickers and applied them to everything on the planet. And sometimes I'm like, hey, do you want a Fedora sticker? And they're like, well, I have a Beefy Miracle sticker or a Tux this, sticker. You, you do realize this is indoctrination in, in just another way of describing it. Yeah, a bit. Um, although I think my, well, I you know, they're the products of, of two nerds, basically. So, yeah. you know, when my daughter... They don't stand a chance, do they? No, not really. I mean, my <laughs> daughter came into the kitchen, a, I don't know, a couple months ago when, when I was cooking and informed me that, that she had filed a bug in Minecraft. And I was like... Yeah, I mean, you just came back from the Minecraft conference, didn't you? With yes. these cookie cutters and stuff. Really yes, cool. I, yes, I did. It, but she came into the kitchen and I was cooking and she, she's like, I filed a bug. And I was like, really? Tell me more. Like, you know... As you do. Yeah, yeah, tell me, like, what, what do you mean by a bug? And she's like, well, you know, I was playing in the you know, basically their their beta version. And I was like, really? Like you downloaded their snapshot. Interesting. Tell me more. She's and, how old? 10? Uh, she's 11, 11 now. She 11. was 10 at the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, they, it was their, you know, it was their snapshot slash beta or whatever. And they were introducing horses into the game. And, you know, she took the horse into the water and it, it didn't do something as expected. And so I said, well, well, show me your bug. Show me the bug you filed. She figured out how to make an account, uh, they have they use Jira. You are alarming me greatly. So so she files a bug in their Jira instance and has 
what went wrong, you know, steps to reproduce, she actually had steps to reproduce what she expected to happen and what actually happened. I was like, this, this is one of what the most well-formed say? bugs that I, you know, bug reports I've ever seen. Like, God, if everybody could write this awesome we, bug we, report. It would be a much better world. Yeah, and and, and and the the young fresh innocence of not you know punctuating things by, God, your product sucks, and you know <laughs> this thing never works. This is the fiftieth bug I've filed, and I was just like, you know, there's there's the day when my daughter learned how to use the toilet, and the day when she filed a jira bug, and I'm still not quite sure which one of those days was the more prouder moment in my mommy life, but but they're pretty close. I'm pretty sure toilet training though, may may take the the big award here. Okay, so moving forward, um, we can't really move forward without taking a retrospective look back at 2013. And during 2013, we had the tragic loss of Seth. So talk to me. Indeed we did. Um, I still miss Seth, mostly because I could always call him whenever I was having a moment of stress and I could count on someone to... Laugh heartily down the phone at you. Cackle, perhaps, or, uh, you know, listen to me drop F-bombs over the phone, and he would drop them right back, and we would commiserate, and and then he would always leave me with some poignant piece of advice, and there are days when I miss being able to call Seth, and, and, well, most days I miss being able to call Seth and get the, uh, well, you know, here's the really smart thing that that you should do, and I'd be always be like, oh, God, you're so smart. Like, why didn't I think it of was that? The, pearl, the pearls of wisdom that just would drop out of yes, the ether. Yes, like effortlessly. Yeah. So it's a, uh, yeah, it's sad and, and different without him. I'm, I'd like to think that he'd be delightfully pleased with, you know, some of the things that we're, we're thinking about doing in Fedora now because he was, uh, you know, he, he was around Fedora, you know, absolutely from, from the inception before P- it was even Fedora. Part of the architecture. Yeah, and... I think he'd be I think he'd be pleased that that we are taking the stand of, you know, instead of trying to have one thing to rule them all that, that we are going down the path of, you know, tailoring things to people's needs and I think that he'd be delighted I with can, I with can what hear the bells doing. of heaven in the background. Yes, he's he's, <laughs> he's banging pipes. Yes. He's banging pots and pans. Yes, he is. <laughs> Bless him. But Yum will continue to live on for the next decade or more in a supported environment in rail. Indeed. Well, I mean, people have been using it. He got the last laugh. Yes, he did. (laughs) (laughs) I think he'd like that. Yeah, I think so. You've been listening to Robin Bergeron talking to me, Richard Morell of Red Hat. This is the end of part one of a special two-part podcast, Talking Fedora, Talking Cloud. Come back later in the week for the next 25, 30 minutes, where we're going to be talking about the passion that the Red Hat exec team have for everything community. We're going to be talking potentially about how you could get a career in open source or potentially come and work for us at Red Hat. Come back and share some of that passion in the next half of the podcast. Thanks for listening. <laughs>